Hello, and welcome to some Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Um, and maybe a little bit of Dragonfly. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you the folks at home what this video on this podcast? On this podcast, we like to talk about games. Uh, and even though we have a new, very important game on, on the horizon that is released literally an hour ago, um, we decided it would be better to spend our time talking about a tiny Weird Al music biopic on a forgotten channel called Roku that nobody goes to or cares about. Starring yeah. Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's basically right. If if it helps the viewers at home, this is also just kind of, for me at least, I got in for half an hour and got kicked out. So this is going to burn some time while like the WoW servers short themselves out. It is out. definitely going to burn some time for the WoW servers to figure their shit out, which is useful. Yes. So, so, yeah. <laughs> to start this out, uh, buddy, pre-spoiler thoughts on the movie. Um, so, first of all, I loved it. I don't know that I've laughed harder at a movie, maybe all year. What, like, what movies have I watched this year? Well, besides Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping, which I watched a lot this year. Uh, but it's just like, it's just so full of jokes that come out and it, it's like the perfect blend between random and like thoughtful, if that makes sense. I, you know, like, I, when I think of like Weird Al, right, I always think of Spatulicity, which is a commercial that runs in, in the middle of his movie UHF, like a famous box office bomb that would later become like a real cult hit. In the middle of UHF, there are these, like, fake commercials, and one of them is for Spatula City, right? And I feel like Spatula City is this, like, joke, like, like small, essentially, right? Which is that, like, yeah, obviously nobody would make, like, a retail store for, for spatulas. That's really dumb. Buy nine and get the tenth free. Who would buy nine spatulas? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous on its face. But, like, it's also just... Like, it's not like, it's not like lol random humor. You know what I mean? Like, random, like that kind of thing that, that we all fucking hated in like middle school. Where it's just like, you know, you, you have like a, like a, like a nervous breakdown and can't form two thoughts together. Right. Uh, and that's what, that's what I felt like this movie really shined at. It really kind of rode the lightning when it came to, um, you know, making a music biopic out of Weird Al's not not life, unlife, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say that I thought it was pretty mediocre, actually. Like, really? Yeah. Like, in, in the same way that, like, I, you know, I thought that Wakanda Forever was meh but still still good like i felt very similar to this i thought this was the worst movie than uhf i thought this was the worst movie than walk hard um which are like the two i think most directly comparable ones i haven't seen okay. pop star in a while so i don't want to make a direct comparison there yeah so i okay okay yeah. so i do want to i do want to preface this is something I, I i said and i want to own a little bit i feel like there is this weird trilogy of films called like that is what that starts with walk hard continues with pop star never stop never stopping and culminates in weird al or in weird the al yankovic story right um and 
I, that's a good question. I don't think, I guess I also agree with you. I don't think weird is as funny as those two. I don't think so. But it is still very funny, right? Like, it's yeah. kind of um, it's kind of splitting the difference between, you know, good and great, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. I, so I, I, I think the biggest... So there's a big spoiler here that I think explains this, but that I'm not going to say, but this is such a tiny part of Weird Al's catalog, right? Like, Walk Hard did the, you know, 40 years of a star thing for somebody who didn't exist... And they didn't do that for Weird Al. Who is that person? Right? Like, <laughs> this is the very early part of Weird Al's career. Um, I've got some thoughts about that. Um, in terms of, like, the music that shows up in the in the movie. Um, which I was just kind of, like, terribly disappointed by as, as a very hardcore Weird Al fan. Right? Like, um, it's... Uh, so, for, for you Weird Al people out there... Um, uh, like, you hey, know, what's up, Povey? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for, for, for you Weird Al fans out there, this is like mostly his early stuff and mostly his, mostly his like, like the early part of his career had was very food themed and there's a lot mm. of those songs, which is fine. Okay, yeah. Okay. That is interesting. What is your, like where, what is the Imperial age? This is what this is, or the, the Imperial phase, I think is what it would be called. Right. Like the Imperial phase for. Francis Ford Coppola is Godfather 1, 2, and Apocalypse Now, right? Which are just, like, these insanely amazing movies. The conversation's also in there. These, like, insanely amazing movies, and then he kind of falls off from there, right? Um, Weird Al has been around for 40 years. He has to have had an imperial phase at some point, right? Like, the most beautiful, the transcendent time when when Weird Al is doing, uh, is doing music, where would you call? Would you say it was in the eighties when he was just getting started? No, I, I think I think Weird Al's best stuff is Running with Scissors and Bad Hair Day. Like I think those are his two best albums. Um, All right, let's let, let me let me just uh, running. Neither neither scissors. of what like so again without spoiling too much. Like this, these come after the the timeline of the of the movie essentially because because it, it does have like a real life timeline aspect to it. Um, okay, and I I, I, I checked. Like where the movie ends, in, in the plot is the like all the all of his songs are before that in real life, if that makes sense. The movie ends in 1985, which isn't I think a big spoiler, um, and all of the songs are from his real life pre 1985 albums. This is actually really interesting because I think I might say that Weird Al's Imperial phase is. Running with scissors into poodle hat, which is like one you you yours is one album back. Mine is one album forward, basically. Yeah, I mean, I I could I could pull that forward all the way to straight out of Linwood. I think. Um, I also think I would go all the way to straight out of Linwood. I I think I might think that Weird Al's best like single best thing is Trapped in the Drive Through. <laughs> like, oh, so I. I think, don't know that I have uh, laughed harder at anything Weird Al than trapped in the trapped in the drive-through. See, I, I would say his his high, like his single like I don't know if I want to say his best, but his single most Weird Al song at least is is Albuquerque, um, which is that's it, true. Okay, yeah, that's true. That is on not on Poodle Hat. That is on Running with Scissors, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I think. Like maybe this is just kind of like I was in middle school, 
like when I first started listening to him, like the first album I ever took out of the library and listened to as an album was Bad Hair Day. So this might be me, right? Okay. Um, no, I do think Bad Hair Day counts to a certain extent. I think I think I want to say it is that ten year period. Bad Hair Day, two straight out of Linwood. That's ten years because Amish Paradise is really. Oh, oh you're right. You're right. Amish Paradise is in the is in the movie, and that's that's post the events of the movie. Technically, that is true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but like uh, most, but most of the movie is is not that. But yeah, I would think I would say that Amish Paradise is funny enough that I that and is so good that I would in, I, I would include Bad Hair Day as. As part of that imperial phase, I love that everybody everybody is like trying to get into Dragonflight, and here we are like debating whether or not like <laughs> where the best period of Weird Al Yankovic songs are. Oh, oh my god. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, just you know, Amish Paradise is in the movie. Um, I yeah. think that's the single uh, of of the songs that are in the movie. I think it's the single best Weird Al song in the movie. Um. And I was kind of disappointed by the uh, uh, there, there's an argument that there's that uh, that Eat It is 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 one of his like, I think Eat It's one of his better songs, but that's partly because Beat It is also such a phenomenal song, right? Yeah. Like, yep. um, like like weird like Amish Paradise has eclipsed Gangsta's Paradise, I think. Um, and but Eat It has not eclipsed Beat It, and I don't think. The lyrics of Eat It, like, are clever enough to uh, to Eclipse beat it, right? Like, the, to, to yeah. really put a whole big thing into it. Yeah, I would actually say that quite a lot of Weird Al's songs are um, better than the originals, right? Uh, and I think mostly this is because a lot of pop songs from that era don't hold up, right? Like, for instance, White and Nerdy is far superior to Raiden, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's because Bryden isn't a very good song in the first place, and like Weird Al, just on on a lyrical level, can elevate that kind of thing, right? Um, and I would probably make it make an argument that 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 happens a lot in his music, right? Like um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of some well, some other songs. So I think I think to this point, part of the, the the problem is that maybe starting with like a surgeon. Is that's like one of the earlier songs that I can that, that's like I think is really clever. A lot of his early work is kind of just like putting like funny word like is kind of all random. It's kind of putting funny food words to popular songs, right? Yeah. That that have that have survived, right? Like like riding is kind of out of the popular conscious. Gangsta's Paradise comes in and out of the popular consciousness, um, but like. Uh, Another one rides the bus, for instance, which is also featured in the movie, um, which is another one. Uh, another one bites the dust. That's a pretty timeless song, and it and it like it gets to ride a little bit of that wave. Is that what you mean? Yeah, like like I think okay. like like you know one of the songs in the movie, My Bologna. I think My Sharona is a song that still gets play on the radio, right? Mm. Sometimes, and that song is big enough like th that song did not get eclipsed and i don't think it could be eclipsed by by the parody version of the song right like um but that's my that, that, that is my that is my general and, and for that reason i was a little disappointed in the film because i think weird al has such a spectacular discography that it's kind of a shame that they didn't explore more of it um 
That's uh, true. I wonder. Man. I wonder I how much I really of that is right. Some of these. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, it is much easier. I feel like to get a, to get rights to songs from the '80s than, like, for instance, like you know, "Perform This Way," which is the headlining song from Alpocalypse from 2011. Like, Lady Gaga is a practicing artist. Michael Jackson is dead. You know yeah. what I mean? That that I feel like that must make it much easier to do one over the other. Plus, I I what, something else about the movie that is that is uh, I don't know if you know this backstory. This is. A college humor movie, or I'm sorry, like a funnier Funny or die. die. Yeah. yeah, it was like a funnier die YouTube video that basically got dressed up into into its own movie, and it, oh, it had a budget of eight million dollars, right? Which is like pennies. You would almost call that like independent film. It's so small, right? Um, Produced that, by Tango uh, Entertainment, which is a weird thing to see. My for people at home that don't know, my last name is Tango. Um, <laughs> yeah, seeing Tango true. Entertainment like plastic across, he was like, "Huh, this is kind of surreal." But yeah, yeah, yeah. They, and they don't yeah, do big so, movies, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I feel like that definitely has a piece of it. So, for instance, in um, both Walk Hard and in Pop Star, uh, Never Stop, Never Stopping. I would say that the like the overall production value of, of the movie is much better, right? Um, the actual filming of the musical sequences was better in in both of those films. But like Popstar had a twenty million dollar budget, Walk Hard it must have had something similar, right? Um, uh, Walk Hard had a thirty five million dollar budget. That's great, really? Wow. Okay, Walk Hard had a thirty five million dollar budget, um, and I feel like you know you just you see more of that um, than in um, uh, you see more of that than in Weird this movie than in yeah. Weird. Yeah. All right. Um, do we do we want to? Oh, I should have silenced my phone. Uh, my my apologies to anybody who heard that. Um, oh, I need to find my phone. Do we want to hit go to the spoiler mark? Sure. Uh, hold on one second. Let me silence my phone. Do do. All right. Um. All right. Spoiler alert! Or if you want to watch this movie spoiler free, check out now. Stop watching. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know that I would say. I don't think spoilers really matter. Yeah. Maybe I, maybe like maybe they do some of the bits. We will probably spoil some of the bits that are funny if you walk into them blind. But you know, there's really nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Arguably. The, the the big kind of thing, the one I was avoiding earlier, is kind of like a shock. Like, things don't seem... Like, things didn't part... Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. It, it felt like that last one was a little bit bigger than the other ones. Um, but anyway, here's the spoiler warning. The big one I'm talking about is that um, Al dies on stage in 1985 in the movie. Um, <laughs> uh, Which obviously doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, in real life. Yeah, he and and right before this, he plays Amish Paradise for the first time, um, because his dad yeah. is Amish and wrote the words. Yeah, so I I think the first thing that we have to establish here, this is not a biopic, right? This like pretends to be a biopic for about five fucking seconds, and then you're like, oh no, this is there. This is all just memes. This is all just jokes, basically, yeah. right? Um, this is less of a biopic, I think, than. Walk Hard or Pop Star, or even though those are not about real people, right? Like this is about yeah, a, those are <laughs> those are. 
first of all, those are not about real people. And second of all, they're kind of weirdly more believable yes. than, the, than this movie, right? You know, for instance, there is a moment in Walk Hard where um, there's a moment in Walk Hard where Dewey Cox just like improvises in the recording studio and he starts singing Walk Hard and everybody joins in and the music executive who is about to like throw him under the bus turns around and goes, mm, thumbs up, right? In weird, he records a demo in a bathroom and then sends it off to the radio and then walks back to his apartment and he, and he goes, well, I just sent it off to the radio and then the radio starts playing the song in the corner and they all start freaking the fuck out. It's like, it's <laughs> like one of those is just root, more rooted in realism than the other. Yeah, no, like it's... And, like, you know, not that Walk Hard was trying to be realistic, right? The opening scene is Dewey Cox accidentally slicing his brother's limbs off with, <laughs> yeah. with machete. And he's, also, and he's also, like, 13 or something, you know, with, like, all of those kids. Um, so, yeah, Dewey Cox is definitely not trying to be realistic. Popstar is maybe trying to be medium realistic. There's, like, stuff that happens that is ridiculous um, that I guess I won't spoil because... I we haven't talked about it, but there are there are some bits in that in that movie that are just like absolutely buckwild. By the way, there is another movie that I wanna I wanna include here, but like as a spin-off. In my head, this is a spin-off. This is not a um this is not like a a core part of the of the fake franchise that I'm creating in my head, right? The spin-off being Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny, right? Which is similarly about music and about like jokey musicians right in the same way that pop star is about the lonely island and um you know weird is about weird al um but tenaciously in the pick of destiny is not a biopic right um it is just a straight up story told about like these two musicians essentially um and so even though i think it shares a lot of the same dna it's not necessarily part of like the same species yeah, that metaphor tracks. Uh, yeah, there's there's another one. Um, uh, what's the name of it? Uh, there's like there's a movie I actually watched recently. It's called like oh, uh, Future Folk. Um, Future Folk's the name of like a weird like comedy musical duo. Um, and they have a movie on Netflix called The History of Future Folk, um, which I watched assuming it was some sort of like indie sci-fi thing and it's just like <laughs> this duo comedy bands like fake origin story but in the same way it's like you know um i mean actually it's, it's kind of it's kind of similar to this movie and that's like a fantastical story of the band's origin um although it is it is much lower budget than even this movie um but there's a bunch of things like you know spinal tap comes to mind in terms of like movies in like the melange right or this is spinal tap i think is the name of the movie um uh, you know, famously, you know, this goes up to, you know, th this one goes up to 11, right? Like that kind of thing. I watched that one for the first time a couple of years ago. Didn't think it was that great. Um, oh, Spinal Tap? Yeah. yeah. Spinal Tap, I like in the same way that I like other movies that are, like, less good than... Like, th they, are, they are the progenitors, essentially, um, but they sort of don't hold up. 
I feel like that's what it is. Like, I like that Spinal Tap created sort of this mockumentary genre, and I think it's funny, um, and and kind of works on a very, very basic, basic level, but it is far outclassed by the likes of, you know, all of these other sort of parodies that came that came later on. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, but yeah, like, it, it almost, so, the, I think the biggest issue I have with this movie is like, to your point, it is packed full of jokes. But, like, Walk Hard manages to have, like, a real narrative structure to it, despite being packed full of jokes, right? Like, like you can follow the, like, the arc of Walk Hard taken out of the context of being in a joke movie still plays, right? Like, you tweak a couple of things, and it's a serious movie, which is why it's such a successful parody, right? This movie does not, it, like, like Weird Al's fall is way too fast. The... Rambo bait in the jungle with Pablo Escobar is kind of out of a field and it's funny, but doesn't really like serve the arc of the story in any real way. Uh, yeah. So the thing I'm tempted to do is to say that weird is a farce, whereas walk hard is a parody, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I no. think that it might be sort of splitting hairs a little bit like uh, because really like weird. I, there There is some stuff that happens in weird, you guys, that is just like. It boggles belief to actually kind of lay it out, and it really doesn't try and adhere to a real story or any sort of sincerity outside of just like a very sort of basic, right? Like at the end of the movie, there's a moment where he's accepting an award, and you're watching as a, I swear to God, a Colombian gangster is loading a gigantic machine gun between all of these people who are wearing tuxedos. That's funny. That's the bit, right? But the words that he's saying, which are like, you know, be yourself and don't be afraid to be unique or whatever. Like, I, f I think that's actually, I bet Weird Al, who wrote the movie, was sitting down and he was like, you know what? I'm going to take just two seconds here to, like, actually say the thing that I believe, right? Yeah. So, and, and, and then, But that's, like, uh, the tiniest speck of sincerity in an otherwise deeply ironic This movie. is immediately followed by Weird Al peeing himself for no, <laughs> no reason. It's not related to like being scared of the gunman or whatever. He pees himself, they cheer, and then he gets shot. <laughs> like, <laughs> I forgot, I forgot that he peed himself, <laughs> but it was really funny. <laughs> this is kind of what I mean. This is exactly what I mean. There's just these moments in Weird Al that I'm just like, there's no reason for any of this to have happened. What a lol random thing, right? And what if he pees himself, right? <laughs> but I, it's like, you know, it's like, I don't know that I've ever laughed harder at anything than at the Jackass movies, just because they're so funny in such a stupid fucking way. They're just so stupid funny, right? <laughs> it's the same sort of thing. I, It's the basis there's really not a lot going on underneath the surface to those those jokes, but I find them fucking hilarious. Like so, one, one moment I want to highlight is like when we're like you know normally in, in, in like the walk hard story, we're, uh, uh, Dewey Cox is the slow point goes to rehab. There's a bunch of jokes around that. In this movie, Weird Al hits his low point by like being drunk on stage and like pulling out in a court. Like like he's intimating this guy like pull his his, his dick out and he does <laughs> he pulls out. in a court he pulls an accordion <laughs> out and he gets arrested for it. The next scene is he's in a diner with Madonna, um, who he is dating, who is like you know abusing him for to to get the the weird album bump right. And this is like Bear, um, 
And uh, and she gets kidnapped by Pablo Escobar. That's like the next scene. The, okay, so the thing about her getting kidnapped that's so funny is they're having this moment where he's like, I all I I care about you so much, and she's like, Well, I just care about you for the money. That's like the surface level joke, right? And then he's like, If anything ever happened to you, I don't know what I would I don't know what I would do. And then she gets kidnapped, which is its own punchline to the and it's like the, it's just. You know what? Actually, maybe it reminds me more of a Mel Brooks movie. Yes. This, you know this what? Feels, that's, that's, yes. Because it's like the jokes are so rapid fire. And it's like if something funny can happen, it does happen. So like the moment that Weird Al says, I don't know what I would do if something happened to you, she gets kidnapped, right? And she's getting kidnapped by Pablo Escobar, which you thought was a stupid bit earlier in the movie because they're talking about, oh, Weird Al is the most popular you know, artist on the planet. Every Everybody loves him, you know, including normal person a normal person b and pablo escobar and they show a little cutaway gag of like pablo escobar it's like so it's like simultaneously like bringing that back it's paying off this little bit that they're doing inside of the the diner where he's supposed to be telling her how much he loves her and then it literally devolves into a true blue action scene like not even a joke action scene where it's shot like john wick i it's actually better than some of the action scenes in some of the straight up action movies I have seen this year, right? Like it's be probably better than every Marvel, like, than all the action in every Marvel movie I've watched this year. Like <laughs> and on top of that, and this is the part that I really like, they play like that classic kind of like action music music, but it's got an accordion running through it. And I'm just like, I did not know that I wanted this more than anything else. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And weirdly, maybe I would say those are the moments where the movie plays it straight the most because the joke is it is playing it straight to just shoot an action scene in this diner where a bunch of crazy ass guys come out and Weird Al is beating them up, you know, like one by one, including like a big guy with a frying pan. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, he slams his head in the panini the press and kills him that way. Slams his head in the panini press and then he dings the bell and he goes, Order <laughs> up. <laughs> and, they, and then they cut the scene and it's like, that is, that that could be in a, a, a movie starring The Rock. You know what I mean? Like, that could be like in The Rock in whatever, you know. Or like Dave Batista or any of these any of these guys doing any of these kinds of like movie roles or whatever. And it's in this fucking weird owl movie and it's Daniel Radcliffe, who is weirdly so buff in this movie. I told somebody I was like I was like, uh, yeah, I, I need to watch the I need to watch the Weird Al movie. And they were like <laughs> And they were like, oh, yeah, like, have you, you know, like, who's in it? I was like, Daniel Radcliffe. They were like, Daniel Radcliffe? I was like, yeah, and he's hot. And they were like, what? And then they started Googling the pictures, and it was like, oh. <laughs> wow. And then the next scene after the Tiner scene is him in the, is him in the jungle, where we find out that the, the joke about, like, the, you know, the guy under the pillows, the hay boy, right? Turns out that was a Chekhov's gun that he uses to, <laughs> to assassinate two members of the of the cartel. Which is like, you know, like I said, maybe I'm not giving this movie enough credit. Like the more, I, but like there are some great moments, but I like I like the cohesiveness of of, of Rock Hard better. But this movie has some some 
great individual moments. It just doesn't string yeah. together as, as well as I would have liked. Yeah, even the beginning part where, you know, he's in the he's in the place with his like his roommates and they're showing him figuring out my Sharona, my baloney, mm. right? Like and it, that whole bit is also insanely funny. And I would actually probably say better than the versions of it that we see in later movies like Walk, Walk Hard and Pe Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping because it is more extreme and exaggerated, right? Um but I just think that, you know, like I just think that it it uh I get I in the same way I I also, I also sort of feel this way about UHF, right? Which is sort of like worse than the sum of its parts, right? It has a lot of funny bits in there, but like Nothing, you know, like it's not like the overall string of the whole movie um, is uh, is like as good or as funny as Spatulicity. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, so I, I guess part of my disappointment, maybe this is me just wanting something slightly different out of this movie, right? Sure. Like. I think maybe I wanted a Walk Hard style movie about Weird Al because I like Weird Al a lot, right? Like, mm -hmm. and he's got such a big catalog, and they use they criminally like, like I said, they don't use a ton of his songs. They criminally underuse his library, right? Yeah. So what do they got? They have, they Eat have it, my baloney. Um, well, it's my baloney, right? Because it's supposed my to be baloney. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, like a surgeon. Um, like a surgeon. Amish Paradise, Paradise is in there. Uh, uh oh, Man, I, yeah. I love Rocky Road. Oh, um, I love Rocky Road. Yeah, that 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 scene is also very good. Yeah. Um, Another one yeah. rides the bus, and I think there's a brief moment where they do Ricky as like a just like a court, like just like a, a phrase of it. Um, oh yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that is less than I would have thought thinking about it, especially because none of it comes from the later stuff. Especially the the thing that I thought was going to happen. That didn't happen, but also ended up being a pretty funny bit was he talks about writing his own original music and Al does the, do that, the, yeah. right? And I was like, oh, they're going to do Albuquerque. He's going to do he's going to do Albuquerque, which would make sense, right? Like, to me, like uh, that is maybe the crowning achievement, right? Like, yeah. is would be doing something like Albuquerque, which is a fa huge song, ten minute song, right? You could do a whole thing with it um, in the movie, but instead they go for this kind of opposite approach which is um that he writes eat it and then michael jackson writes a parody of his song beat it and he gets really pissed off about it which i was a funny joke and i did laugh at it but i feel like it's sort of like less yeah well because because like i was because you know that he has original music right like it doesn't work. And also, like, on top of that, you kind of foreclose doing original music when you want that to be the joke, right? Like, if you pulled in one of his, like, original songs afterwards, it would still kind of be – it would be a little bit weird because it would be like, oh, this this isn't a parody of anything, actually. Um, oh, they also, like – I wonder if they can get – Yeah, maybe we, maybe we know too much about Weird Al's discography. Maybe this is because we are too close to the – you know, like if I'm a, if I'm a passing Weird Al knower, like someone who understands who this guy is, but I don't, I I've never really listened to like any more of his songs than like once or twice on you know like a YouTube something, right? Maybe that's who the audience for the movie is, and because you and I have like this deep abiding lore for for Weird Al, we are kind of unintentionally the wrong people to to talk about the movie. I think that would make sense if Weird Al was like really like a two bit artist, but he's not. Right, like I think this. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Under, I don't think this movie can be for 
like a casual Weird Al fan audience. Like, it feels like this movie is supposed to be for people like like you and me, right? Like that have at least yeah. enough knowledge to be like, I will watch a Weird Al biopic, right? Like, like I would and watch I a serious like, Weird Al biopic, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, and I do understand. Like, I knew about Doctor Demento or Dementor, Demento, right? Demento, yeah. Um, yeah, I knew about Dr. Demento before I saw this movie, who does feature as, like, Weird Al's mentor in the movie. Uh, <laughs> His de-mentor. Yeah, yeah. The, the, honestly, the my favorite, my favorite bit with Dr. Dementor is at the very end with the adoption papers. He's like, I just wish, I, you know, I, I always wish I could have had a son. A son exactly like you, and that's why I got you this. And he shows Weird Al adoption papers, and Weird Al's like, "Ooh, I just reconciled with my dad, actually." <laughs> yeah. No, Do you I... think that the stuff with the dad is funnier or less funny than it is in Walk Hard? Less funny for the reason that Walk Hard exists, right? Like this is like it is such a similar joke to. The to the walk hard joke that I think it kind of like what like the opposite of standing on the shoulders of giants is like giants standing on your shoulders and I feel like walk hard has that effect on that particular oh I joke. see yeah 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 so because walk hard did it first that means it's better not that it's better just that like with with a joke right like novelty is like a big part of it and sure. it's it's not like it is not a better like if I had never seen walk hard I think it would have landed a lot better for me because I have seen walk hard and I, I would expect a lot of people have that will watch the movie have seen Walk Hard. Um, That's true. It, it doesn't land as well. There, uh, is, there's stuff that I like about it um, more. I like the factory actually quite a lot. The, the the bit about you should come get a job at the factory. What do you even make there? I don't know. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Like it's like it's. He said we'll tell you when. I'll tell you. You'll find out when you work there, and we never find out what the factory. <laughs> yeah. is. And then he goes where he works there, and there's you know like there's this old black guy. Who, who is like, all right, when that button turns green, you pull this lever and spin that wheel. What do we make here? <laughs> and he walks away. That's, that's a pretty good bit. That's a pretty good yeah. joke. And yeah. then he immediately presses the wrong button and somebody dies. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, so I, I think, like, that instantiation of it was fine. Yeah. But, like, the angry dad who is, like, angry about him doing music like felt felt a little too close to the walk hard part. Um, sure. Did uh, you like Daniel Radcliffe? Does Daniel Radcliffe do it for you? Mostly, but I didn't like that he didn't sing the songs. Like, like oh, I, really? I, I I get it, but he was like so obviously dubbed by like Weird Al. That makes sense, right? <sighs> but I would have I would have loved a version of this where Weird Al or not where, where Daniel Radcliffe was covering these songs, right? Like just for the sure. movie. Um, that's really interesting. I noticed the dubbing, but I just didn't really think about it. I think I think I like the dubbing because it is also kind of funny. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest. I also thought the dubbing wasn't great. Like, I don't, I don't think it was like. I think he was. I think the dubbing was 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 the album versions, and they didn't match his mouth movements super well. Like, oh, true. Like I think I, I think it'd have even been better if like Weird Al re-recorded these trying to match Daniel Radcliffe's mouth movements or whatever, right? Like, yeah. Um, I, I yeah, especially because they they seem very clinical, right? Like they don't seem like a live performance in a lot of them. Yeah, 
It seems like because you know something that something that happens when you record in a studio is you drown out a lot of white noise that is kind of at the bottom of a track or whatever. And uh, that 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 part was definitely noticeable. But I, I I thought that was the joke to be honest. But I I don't know if I actually think that's the joke. Now. Yeah, I, I maybe think that's just bad production quality or like they didn't have the money for it or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of whatever. Yeah, like I don't I don't think that's the end of the world, right? I just yeah. like I think we're I think Daniel Radcliffe looks like a looks like. So what he looks like is a good biopic version of a famous artist, right? Like he he mm-hmm. be, because like something that I think is kind of a little bit lost until like the very end of the movie is this is this is like this is not just you know it's it's not just the farce. It's that this is also trying to be a biopic. Right, like, like at, in the end credits, they cut to real pictures of Weird Al, right? The initial ones, which are actually just him as a kid, right? Like, they're they're playing the movie as if it were a real biopic, which it kind of is, right? You, Wait, you know, the, the 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 end credits, those were photoshops. The the later ones were the early oh, ones. See. The early ones were actually, I think, just him as a kid, right? Like, okay, yes, yeah. I do agree with that. But yeah. but the, the point being is that the fact they were using real pic, like even in the photoshops, they were using real pics. Of yeah. Al Yankovic, right, is like, it's like how in like a real musical biopic, you know, they will stop cutting to you know the actor p- portraying the actor, and they will do put in real pictures of the artist, right? This happens in all kind of like based on a true story things, right? Like there will be a picture of the moment as it actually happened, but that was captured at the time to juxtapose to the fictionalized version that happens in the movie, right? Yeah. Um, okay, yes. Okay, yeah. I'm on board with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. Okay, yes. I wonder if... Do you do you feel like... Hmm. If you were to... What, I, I, guess, I guess what I'm asking is, what are the pieces of the movie that you feel like are not, don't work? Maybe the LSD thing. I thought the setup to it was very funny, and then the actual tr- LSD trip he goes down is lame. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. I so I think I think to your point, I think I think just the through line doesn't work as well. Um, mm. I have found that um, as I as time has gone on, I have less appreciation for movies like for movies that are effectively just like long skit shows. And this happens with comedy movies sometimes. Um, uh, yeah, no, I feel that. So, um, what I, I have a term for this narrative, this is narrative arthritis, right? It's the same thing I, I talked about with Batman versus Superman, but I think it applies to every lots of, lots of movies have this right where the plot points are too close together and they don't sort of like blend into a story vibe wise right like not actually like i i kind of get how they sat down to shoot over however many days and they were like okay and then i bet they kind of got it into the edit and they were just like oh boy this doesn't hang together as well as it as it seems and it's because like i don't know like something i think about is lord of the rings does a really good job of this um where you sense the journey and the and the passage of time between scenes where you can like understand that like there are months taking place right like months and months taking place between like small moments in the movie but because the movie strikes this chord of this epic fantasy so well it doesn't 
it like it like it it communicates that kind of effortlessly, right? Um, you know, so for instance, when Gandalf first ter- figures out, he goes to Minas Tirith and he learns that the ring is, um, you know, the one true ring. Um, and then he comes back later, like that's like twenty years in story, and you get you know maybe you don't get a sense for the specific amount of time that passes, obviously, but you do get a sense that you know. A, that time has passed. That a lot of time has passed, right? And that and that keys in later in the movie when Frodo sees Bilbo at Rivendell. They haven't seen each other in twenty years, but in the movie terms, they haven't seen each other in like twenty minutes, right? But like the movie is good at kind of capturing this vibe such that it sells you on the overarching kind of pace, right? And I feel like this is why it's like impossible. It's impossible to talk about this because it's also. Like I have no idea what I would point to that Lord of the Rings did well to to give me that feeling. Whereas there are other movies, even epic movies, that don't like maybe a good one would be like The Dark Tower is kind of kind of feels like this, where it just like those plot points don't gel together um and sell me on on sort of the journey in the time scale or whatever. Dewey Cox sells me on the time scale of this guy in his life. Weird Al or Weird feels like the disjointed version of that like the it's skipping too much time in between scenes um and important moments are are kind of like coming out back to back in ungood ways yeah un-good ways. I, I think part of the problem too is that like that's in the script right like that that is this is like in the script this happens over a very short period of time Right, like we explicitly get, like the diner scene is like this has been the happiest six hours of my life. Right, like, yeah. like the relationship with Madonna happens like that, and like maybe some time passes between him, like, you know, killing Pablo Escobar. By the way, he kills Pablo Escobar. Right, like, yeah, that th- that does happen. They go to shoot him, and it like hits one of his quadruple <laughs> platinum records that he wears around his neck. Which was another another Chekhov's gun that I wasn't expecting, um, and then he throws it <laughs> into Pablo Escobar's head, which was uh, it would have it would the only way it could have been more perfect is if it was Pedro Pascal playing Pablo Escobar because I was like this is oh! this is just you know the uh, what, what's the, the Nick Cage movie um, the unbearable weight of massive talent but like weird like it's like a sub like the Weird Al subplot of version of that. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, and, you know, Madonna decides to take over his drug empire because she was really only ever in it for the money. Um, uh, but, like, <laughs> maybe some time passes between that and him, like, getting on stage to at the it's supposed to be the Grammys. Um, and like, like, but like that, I think you can attribute to like the, the time since isn't good there. But I think like in the canon of the movie. Like the Daniel Radcliffe part of the movie happens very quickly, right? Like in 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 in, in movie time, right? Or like in the timeline of 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 the film. Um, so I think that's <laughs> like I think I think it's both in the execution and in the script. Yeah, um, that's true. By the way, I think my favorite scene in the movie is the pool party. Uh, I was going to ask about the pool party. Okay, yeah. So the pool party has uh, the, is all the cameos, and I think the pool party is funnier than. Everything that happens that is in this vein in either of the other two movies, which is to say um, where, you know, like Jack Black and Paul Rudd are playing the Beatles, which might be my favorite moment in all of Walk Hard, which I think is hilarious, right? But it's just like this 
is turned up to fucking 11 in the pool party and it is so good and there are so many little gags and I'm just like, this is where it all went. This is where all the budget went, right? Like, you know. Um, so, t- I'm sorry. I like jumped the gun. No, no, no. The no. pool party is. <laughs> the pool party's amazing, right? Like you've got Conan O'Brien as, as Andy Warhol. <laughs> Andy Warhol. But he's Andy, the thing that kills me about this, Andy Warhol didn't look like, Andy Warhol died in 1987, right? He died in the 80s. He was an old man by that point. The, but the thing is, is what they did was they took all of those people and instead of like, they, like okay, okay, I have to back up. This is uh, okay. In Walk Hard, they you, they suggest as to who is whom, right? Um, so they suggest that Paul Rudd is John Lennon with the glasses, right, with the hairstyle, right. But like overall, you know. It's 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 like meant to be canon in the world. They're they're in India, so they're they're all wearing like Indian clothes or whatever. The pool party has all of these celebrities, and they are in their most recognizably celebrity attire, doing their most recognizable things. Like Gallagher is there in his whole jumpsuit with a mallet and watermelons and a bunch of them, and you're just like. Obviously, no one would ever do this, but that's the joke, and it's yeah. Uh, it's Gallagher so would not show it's up to so a party funny. as like if he was attending a party, he would not show up to a, the party as Gallagher, right? He mm. would, and like you know, fucking Tiny Tim wouldn't have his ukulele. <laughs> and then maybe what I would say is the best joke in the movie is when the guy from from Queen. He, they're talking about another one bites the dust. They're like, Weird Al is going to parody a song. And this guy from Queen steps up and nobody knows who he is because he's the bassist from Queen and not Freddie Mercury, Mercury, who is so easily recognizable that it's like, it's, it's, you know what it is? Okay. The, the 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 fundamentals of comedy are setting a context and breaking that context, right? You you set up a punchline, or I'm sorry, you 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 have a setup, and then the punchline breaks the setup, right? And the thing that I think the pool party does so well, that is so transcendently funny, and that just like made me laugh so hard, is that the punchline becomes the setup for this future joke. Because it's like, oh, this is funny. He's at a pool party at Dr. Demento's house. Dr. Demento, not even like, he's like a local radio guy from Pasadena, right? You know what I mean? Like he obviously would not have Andy Warhol, right? Like at his at his And pool Salvador Dali. Yeah, yeah, it's Salvador Dali. And, right. and Divine, oh, who like I think is in Baltimore <laughs> yeah. at this point in time, right? Like, yes, yes, absolutely. She has all of these people in this home, and they're all their most recognizable selves being played by these very obvious, you know, like celebrity cameos, right? And then when the moment comes for a big giant celebrity cameo for someone to play Freddie Mercury, and I was like, for a split second, I was like, oh my god. Is it going to be Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury because that last that Bohemian Rhapsody biopic that would be fucking hilarious. That would be the greatest thing. No, it is just one of the random other guys from Queen, and everyone's like, "Who are you?" <laughs> but it's like the reason that's funny is because everyone else here is so instantly recognizable, and that's the thing that I think is so 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 clever about the pool party. The pool party is so funny. Uh, honestly, my, so my favorite like I love that segment because like there's the challenge. Um, mm-hmm. there's like the playing of the song, 
with like Al on the accordion and his drummer <laughs> beating a suitcase and like you know one of his members doing the hand sound thing right like yeah it's so it's it's so perfect and then like you know the end of his like the the basis is like this was that was beautiful would you open for us at Live Aid and he goes and he and he's like no <laughs> like it was, it was just like hard pass right? <laughs> it was just like oh so perfect like that one got me right like i saw most of these jokes coming right but like that one just yeah. like totally got me by surprise it was yeah, oh. and actually i think that's part of the magic of of weird the al yankovic story just because uh because it is so unreal right that like we are obviously not in the realm of reality and we are like doing all of this crazy shit right just like absolutely buck wild stuff um the you never know what's coming next you never know what's going to be the next thing and that that oh that whole bit was so good yeah yeah <sighs> yeah there's just like oh man there's just so, so much like there's so many little things too that like i feel like i could watch it again and like pick out some more like th that i missed the first time around mm. like like something something that i read about later is apparently you know his dad talks about bing crosby right apparently bing crosby was also kind of like an abusive father right like like you know like you know in a way that like that makes sense in like in in the uh in the uh sorry in the narrative right like little things like that like i kind of want to know if the scotty brothers were like should eat a weird owl or not because like like he the scotty brothers were real people right like they were his first label he gets um and then then that gets acquired by volcano um and he's like one of the few acts they they keep from the scotty brothers um but like that whole like like Weird Al being having a cameo in the movie as as the elder Scotty brother, I thought was also was was, was also pretty fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe this. What a what a movie. What a picture. I don't have anything more to say. Talking about it has made me appreciate it more, and I like it I more, I but I do still think it is worse than those other two. We, we will complete the trilogy and do Popstar at some point, um, because that movie is also... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Weird Al is in that movie. I mean, the Lonely Island guys love Weird Al, and I think he, like... He has written some songs for them or like directed some music videos or something. Like they have some like weird partnership because like they are um they were like directly inspired to to make the Lonely Island by Weird Al, which, you know I get it. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. That's it. There we go. Oh, you know, apparently Pee Wee Herman was played by Yerma Tacone. I I had thought Oh, I didn't know that, yeah. I thought it was just uh, weird. I thought it was just Weird Al. Um, or well, not Weird Al. I thought it was just uh, Pee Wee himself. I don't know. Is Pee Wee Herman still alive? Uh, I don't know. I know the guy. The, the guy is well, he. He's like another actor. I don't remember what his name is. Um, and then because um, the other guy from the um. From the Lonely Island was also Chris Angel because there was Gallagher and Chris Angel there, 
Um, and they were like talking, or maybe it wasn't Gallagher. I don't know. Who? It was like he, so, someone was Chris Angel, but it was the other guy who who I never remember. Who name. Who was the black lady in the suit supposed to be? Because I recognized her, and like it was her and like Kiva Schaefer. Hmm? Oh, the black lady in the suit. Yeah. It was, it, she had like a short haircut, like a crew cut. Like she, I recognized I her as I, like I think she's like her and the there there was similarly dressed person. Um, in in white that I think was supposed to be like I think that was supposed to be a thing, uh, like like I, I recognize both. Them oh my god! Like, by the way, I'm a huge idiot. Oh, I, I'm thinking of uh, I'm not thinking of Chris Angel. I'm thinking of um, uh, I'm uh, thinking of Alice Cooper. Cooper. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know who that was supposed to be, but I am now gonna look. Yep. But uh, yeah, no, I thought I you know it's a fun movie. Go see it if. Uh, if uh, if you if you enjoy Weird Al, I guess, or if you, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I, I I am I am still disappointed like that we didn't get like more of his discography because he's got a lot of stuff in there, right? Like I think you could make a good movie <gasps> with a lot more stuff, and theoretically, you wouldn't have the rights problems with like his original music, right? Like Albuquerque, he controls the rights too, right? Like maybe I guess yeah. Maybe the label does, but like that's gonna be easier to deal with than, uh, uh, than you know. Um, I actually thought it was hilarious that they had they had it was, it's Coolio who wrote Gangster's Paradise, right? Yeah, he was he was in like that was supposed to be him in the audience, right? Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. that haircut, that hairstyle was like uniquely Coolio. Coolio, by the way, who died this year? I want to say. Did he really? A little sub- Yeah, I'm pretty sure he died, right? Um, and Coolio is like actually famously pretty great. Uh, yeah, no, and he he famously also yeah he died in September 2022. Wow, less than two months ago. Holy shit! He he famously also didn't like the parody, right? Or he, yeah, yeah, he was the one that went the hardest against Weird Al about um the about making a parody because like his song gangsta's paradise he was like very serious and he was like it was like a message song about like the futility of like gang violence i guess um and he hated the idea that someone was making you know making fun of making fun of that though they did bury the hatchet at some point later on in life yeah i mean so part so famously weird al always asked permission even though he he, he theoretically doesn't need to because parody is protected. There's also a thing there where, like, yeah. in order for parody to be protected, it might actually have to be saying something about the original rather than just being, like, funny different words on top of it. Regardless, Weird Al always asks permission. And I think the story is, is he got permission from, like, the production company, but not from Coolio, Coolio himself. himself. Yeah. And so past that, he always makes sure to get artist approval. Um, uh, uh, like, famously, I think... Lady Gaga was not gonna approve perform this way, and then she had a change of heart or something like that. Um, she wanted the she wanted the Weird Al bump. Yeah, right. Um, the Weird Al bump. Yeah, fantastic. All right. Well, we've we've talked this movie to death. Um, we've just, Honestly, I'm a little surprised that we got almost all the way to the end yeah. on it. I was uh, like, "There's not a ton here," but <laughs> I mean, we, we we did we did spend a fair amount of time discussing Weird Al's Imperial Period, which uh, true, which you know I think was a, is a valid discussion, right? Like, yeah, um, I would love, by the way, to see a sequel to this movie that just kind of ignores the fact that he's supposed to have died 
or I guess I guess the stinger is he's a zombie. So like you could write a sequel to this where he's a zombie, right? Like, um, and like go into some of his later music, which I would appreciate. But um, I wonder if part of the problem wasn't just like Daniel Radcliffe is too young to play like a you know modern aged Weird Al. Like at some point mm-hmm. you transition to Weird Al being Weird Al. Um, uh, but yeah, that aside, um, do you want like? Do you want to talk a little bit about Dragonflight? Did you play the beta at all? I played a tiny bit of the beta, but I did not play any uh, actual Dragonflight today. Um, so I'm leveling Dragonflight with uh, with Rachel, my partner, obviously, um, and so I'm waiting for her to get home. Um, but the uh, but I did play the Evoker. I did do the Evoker starting zone. Did you do the Evoker starting zone? No. Did you do the pre patch stuff? Uh, yeah, I did, I, yeah, I, I, um, I got all of the Mog, and I did the dungeon once, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's all there was to do, right? Mm-hmm, okay, yeah. Um, I did, I did all that. I did that literally last, I, my, the story of the last two weeks of me is I have a bunch of things I want to accomplish, and I am clipping them all off before I go on a trip later this later this year or later this week. So, um, you know, I was doing Veil Strider, right? And I had sort of just left it. I could have, like, completed this weeks ago, but I literally completed, like, I basically spent the whole day just doing Veil Strider achievements yesterday. I started at, like, 2 p.m. and I finished at maybe, like, 10 at night. <laughs> like, right in under the wire to finish to finish off Veil Strider. Um and then I got all of the I got all of the appearances in the pre patch, which took forever, but actually less time than I expected. Yeah, I thought I wasn't going to be able to get there, but once I realized that what I really should do is log on to an alt, kill the boss the first time, you get a sixty. You know, like the first time you kill one of the bosses, you get sixty of them. Um, uh, I, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, okay, this like works. This makes sense. Um, and so and so I blitzed through that. That was maybe like 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Um, and then I, I completed the Hearthstone Battle Pass, which I had been sitting at like rank 80 on that Battle Pass for the longest time. And I was like, oh, God, I actually have to sit down and do this because the new Hearthstone expansion is next week. Um, and so and so I did that. And then the last one of them is the Overwatch Battle Pass because Overwatch Season 2 starts next week. Um, so it's just like, it's just like, oh God, I have all of these stupid battle passes that, that I need to finish before the, 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 you know, the, the rewards go away. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I, uh, didn't end up doing, I don't have any battle passes pushing it on me, I guess. The, so I've been playing some Rumbleverse cause Rumbleverse season two is out. Um, uh, it's super fun. Um, they added a whole new island, and uh, part of this is there's a lot more, like, areas to ring people out in, which I think is super fun. Like, that's one of my favorite things to do, so. Um, also, everybody's rank resets this season, and so, like, I'm playing against a bunch of baddies again, which is nice because I can, like, own a lot of people pretty easily. Um, whereas, like, in the, uh, in, like, the other game, or in, in the previous season, once you get up high enough, you start playing against people who are good at the game, which is still fun, but it's, you know, significantly more difficult. Um, what else? Uh, oh, I'm just playing some COD as well. Um, I got myself a PlayStation 5. I started playing God of War Ragnarok, um, which is basically just more God of War, which is still fun. Like, it's a great game, but, like, I don't know. I don't know if I should have got, like, the PS5, I won't say as a regret because there are going to be other games that I want to play, but, like, it's, I don't know. Uh, it's, 
not so good that I recommend buying a PS5 for it. I have thought about getting a PS5 uh, for God of War 1 and 2. I know I can play God of War 1 on PC now that like got released, I think, earlier this year. Um, but also some other stuff. I've obviously never played Miles Morales, that Spider-Man game that makes you feel like Spider-Man, like all the YouTubers said. Yeah. Um, well, the base yeah, Spider-Man game like... makes you feel like Spider-Man. So, you know, it's it's, yeah. it's it's still good. But, yeah. But yeah, my my big thing was Dark Tide because we've been playing we've been playing Dark Tide because Dark Tide released in pre order. It actually comes out on uh, November thirtieth, but they did a closed beta to everybody who pre ordered, basically an early access type thing. And there was this real question of they were like, "We're not guaranteeing that your progress is going to tick over." And I was like, "Well, I'm about to spend a lot of time and effort." And if they say that it doesn't, I'm going to be real depresso. But they did, in fact, guarantee that progress is going to tick over on Thursday. Um, so I'm very excited. I'm very excited about that. Nice. Nice. Congrats. Um, Dark, Tide is, Dark Tide is definitely really interesting. And there's a lot. I almost sort of want to recommend that you play it, even though I kind of feel like you never connected to these PvE shooters the same way that I did. Um, and it's like a little much to like recommend playing a game just so that we can talk about some of that stuff. There's some really neat design in Dark in Dark Tide that I don't know that I can explain in an efficient way. Um, so yeah, the big thing for me with them has always been that none of them feel as good as like Destiny. Um, and Desti oh sure, Destiny being the one that I I do jump into every once in a while, um, and like the gunplay in Destiny and Call of Duty just like feels so good and like. Generally doesn't feel as good in, in less less competent games, um, which is you yeah. know I mean not a, not a super knock. It's just kind of like you know COD is literally the biggest video game on the planet, um, or at least the biggest non-sports video game. It might be the biggest on the planet, and uh, you know and Destiny is obviously made by the former Halo developers, so uh, it's a hard thing to to get right, but. I might check yeah, it out the thing point. that's the thing that's interesting about Dark Tide is the maps are procedural to a certain extent. Where essentially what'll happen is you get um you get like a mission, right? And you'll go through one sp like space where you're just kind of moving to a thing. But then what happens is you hit an elevator typically, which is like a clever loading screen, and that elevator can drop you off in any number of minor objectives, right? So one of them might be, you know, you drop out of your elevator and you have to hold a bridge, right? And there's a there's huge swarms coming across this bridge and guys coming in and the vents behind you, you have to kind of hold this position, right? Or it might be something like, um, you know, you need to like go get a, you need to you need to get a like a like a thing and put it on a thing and then hold it, sort of like the drills in in Payday were were sort of like this and like. You know, if the if the the infected get to it, they'll they'll disable it, and you have to turn it back on, like that kind of a thing. Um, and so, what it does is it makes the maps very modular, um, rather than in Vermintide, the maps were things it, they're like dungeons in WoW, right? You memorize them, where it's like, okay, I've done this map before, I know where the tomes are in this map. Tomes being um, items that increase your rewards at the end, but they occupy your health. You can't use a health. You you can either hold a tome or a health pot. You can't hold both, so you forego healing when you have a tome. Um, and then there are also grimoires, which are like advanced tomes that reduce your max health by a certain percentage, right? Um, and so the thing in Vermintide is you want to, you collect tomes, you collect grimoires, and those locations are static. You memorize the level. You run through the level a bunch of different times, um, and you can, you can kind of get it. And there's some stuff that's like objective-based or whatever in there, but for the most part, it is, um, 
Uh, you know, like it is like th these levels are bespoke. They are the same every time. Um, Dark Tide having these different levels is really neat and interesting. Um, at the very end, there are um, at the very end the the end objective for every level is always different. But like you select it on the home screen, so it's like you can you can optimize yourself for it. it's like oh an assassinate mission means I'm gonna go up against the boss fight a uh, a raid, I think it's called, means that there's going to be sort of this, um, this like football thing where you're raiding a depot. You're you're raiding an ammunition depot. You have to fill a crate with the with the ammo. You you take it from point A to point B, right? Um, there's one where uh, it's like a smelter is offline because there are all these demonic growths. And during an endless horde, you have to be moving around the map, clearing out the growths and not like falling behind, uh, you know, as, as like these hordes keep spawning. All of that stuff. I feel like all that is really neat. I guess I did explain it pretty efficiently. <laughs> all of that stuff is really neat. And, and I think, and I think uh, very interesting. Uh, though, unfortunately, I think the player classes themselves in Darktide are less interesting than they are in Vermintide. Vermintide shipped with five different characters, each of whom had three different classes that you could play for a total of 15, essentially, kind of classes and experiences, and then they increased that number over time. Um, Darktide is four classes, and they are real sort of locked down in sort of what they do and how they play, and it's not my favorite, uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Makes sense. Makes sense. It is also a beautiful game in, like, a really gross way. Like, when you get a headshot against, like, an infected guy, it's not blood that spews out, but it's, like, maggots. And it's just, like, details like that are really sweet and cool. Um, what is what is the enemy forces, Nurgle? Yeah, it is. So the, the, the lore, and I'm not very good at 40k lore, um, the lore is that this is a hive city called Tertium. And an Inquisition has been dispatched to Tertium Inquisitors, kind of being um, these, like, unaccountable people who root out heresy, you know, in the Imperium or whatever. Um, and they needed recruits, so they recruit people from – you're called rejects in the, in, like, in the story of the game. Uh, the recruits are people who are prisoners. They were prisoners of the Imperium who are given a second chance – um, by, by like running these super dangerous missions. And basically there's a chaos cult on the planet that's like plaguing people, but also like, you know, converting units on the ground to be, you know, chaos units. There's no space Marines or anything like that. Obviously space Marines are famously like insanely powerful badasses that are way kind of above the pay grade of, um, of a game like this. Um, but, uh, yeah, for the most part there are, um, uh, there are sort of these different, excuse me, these different sort of factions of uh, Nurgle-infected, you know, enemies or whatever. Uh, some of them are called cultists, or so, some of them are called scabs, which I think are like normal people that got infected. But then there are also like people with guns. I don't know. One one of the strengths of Vermintide that's great is that the different enemy types are fundamentally different, which is to say fighting a Chaos Horde is different than fighting a Skaven Horde is different than fighting a Beastman Horde because like they, they're all using different sort of units, right? Like Beastmen will have these archers that plink away at you that you have to kind of like shoot down from range. They have these big guys with great axes who will plant a banner that increases the damage of all their guys. You have to destroy the banner. Um, 
Whereas like chaos, you know, you have uh, you have guys called leeches who will like suck one person um, and kind of like stun them, so the rest of the party has to like free them. Um, they'll have blight stormers who will just like make a big moving AOE on the ground that does like a bunch of damage. You have to like avoid and find them off in the distance and like shoot them. Right? They'll obviously have stuff like chaos knights um, who only take headshot damage. Right? Like th their armor is so strong they don't take any like body shot damage. You can't actually kill them. You have to you have to la land these headshots or whatever. It seems as though. All of the factions in Darktide are just different skins of the same shit. Um, I haven't really seen any sort of differentiation that's like, oh, fighting this mission against scabs is different than fighting this mission. I think they're called like flayers or something, which is like another. But like the, a scab shotgunner is the same thing as a scab or a, a flayer shotgunner, right? Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, what else? Um. So I also watched um, Spirited this week, which is a weird kind of sort of sequel to A Christmas Carol. Uh, it stars really? Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. It's on the Apple. T it's on Apple TV Plus. Weirdly, there's like a handful of like these like Christmas movie sequels coming out this year. There's a sequel to A Christmas Story that I'm going to watch around Christmas with my family since we like A Christmas Story a lot. Um, there's also the Santa Clauses, which is a sequel to the Santa Claus One, Two, and Three. Um, which I didn't even know exist until somebody asked me how Spirited compared to the Santa Clauses and, you know, pointed out that that was not referring to the, the existing movies. That this is a new movie that's come out, like, very recently. But Spirited is a weird movie in that, like, it's a too adult to really be for kids, but, like, also kind of kiddie in tone. Like, the consistent kind of thought was, like, who is this movie for? There's also apparently like 54 fucking songs in the movie. It is like chock full. It's, it is a musical and it is okay. chock. Like I think 54 like is counting like backing tracks and whatnot. But like over the end credits, there is a full on song that got cut. That is like, it is like such weirdly high production value for what is like this kind of like kind of sappy kind of expected, uh, you know, song about like not being greedy. It's also weird in that, like, the theme of the movie is kind of, like, don't be terrible to each other, but through the lens of, like, the culture war is bad, but is, like, studiously apolitical about it. Like, like the the main, you know, the, the main character that needs to be, you know, Scrooge, like, the, the Scrooge character, the Scrooge equivalent character is a, uh, is, like, a dude whose, like, job is to, like, cause conflicts on social media to, like, you know, benefit some ver some person or another right like you know they're like one of his clients is a senator and like the opening of the movie is him convincing uh basically the christmas tree growers association is in trouble because plastic trees are out selling real trees and so he like basically starts a social media campaign about how like um you know real trees are better than fake trees but like you know by by being like you're you hate America and or you, you hate America if you don't have a real tree, but you're also a hippie if you have a real tree. Like, it, it, it's literally just, like, create – like, it is weirdly studiously apolitical about it, but it's, like, creating a cultural conflict for the sake of, like, driving engagement with, with you know, things to, like, bring benefit. Like one, of, like, one of the plot points is, like, his niece is running for student council, and he does oppo research on her – like fifth grade opponent 
type of thing. Like it, it's okay. weird. All right. In the movie, Will Ferrell and Octavia Spencer are a couple, which is like, you know, as my as my girlfriend put it, like not a couple I ever expected to see kiss on screen. Um, <laughs> is it better than Will Ferrell and Allison Brie? I think that's a which one. They're in a, they're in a movie together. Uh, I think in the movie Get Hard with uh, Kevin Hart and Will Ferrell. Um, Allison Brie plays Will Ferrell's wife, but like Will Ferrell's like 50 and she's like 25. And I was like, <laughs> it's like one of those movies I saw on Netflix. You know, I was just like, oh, it's leaving Netflix. I'll just watch it. And uh, it's bad. It really sucks to be honest. Yeah. Uh, so Will Ferrell is no longer in his imperial phase, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. No, I mean, I think like, like I don't think he was like, like this movie was like, okay. Um, and it was kind of heartfelt, right? Like, but, uh, and I don't think he was super great, but I think Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is good at acting and still is good at acting. Still might be in his Imperial face. Um, <laughs> you know, cause apparently everybody else like free guy that wasn't us, but, uh, you know, oh, God. I'm yes, still mad about, about I'm it. still mad about that. I will never not be mad about that one. Actually, I feel good about that one. I feel good that we can take a stand. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, but what else? Uh, you know, it's, it's the holiday week. That's why we've been gone for two weeks. I was in New Jersey doing holiday stuff. You have a, you have strong opinions on uh, on Thanksgiving that you want to share? Uh, I fucking hate it. Thanksgiving can eat my ass. My birthday is is in Thanksgiving week. Right? Wait, my birthday it? was Friday. Yeah, okay. so my birthday is November 25th. Thanksgiving was the 24th this year, but like it's always that Thursday, so it moves around. Sometimes my birthday is on Thanksgiving, and that is the most annoying shit. To have a birthday, to have your birthday on, like, so so on top of a holiday like that. Especially a holiday, like, it would be, you know, if it was Halloween, if my, if, you know, like, if your birthday is, is Halloween, you, that could be cool, right? Because, like, one of the things that you kind of normalize is that you spend ha Halloween with people. Or, like, Memorial Day. Or, like, July 4th, right? Like, you spend those with, with people. But, like, Thanksgiving is so specifically a, a family holiday. You go home to your family and you eat a big family dinner, right? That it sucks and I hate it. But I did have very good food. Uh, so, you know, we actually essentially did not celebrate Thanksgiving this year. Essentially what we did was um, uh, was we did Thanksgiving on that Friday on my birthday. Uh, and it was sort of like a, like a, a sort of second Thanksgiving, I guess, um, with, you know, a focus on not some stuff because we do we, we have i ever told you about this are we doing is this a secret some derps talk about food sure, episode? let's do it let's do it <laughs> yeah yeah okay 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 so my family has very has very complicated thoughts about thanksgiving mostly because my dad hates turkey my dad thinks turkey is gross and not a good meat and and tradition is not a good reason to make turkey for thanksgiving right so he worked in a French bistro for, for, for years, um, and he has this Moroccan leg of lamb recipe that he uses, which is, um, you know, it's basically leg of lamb, but you just do this, like, insane level of marinade, like, spice and marinade over it, which is stuff like cumin, um, I don't want to say cardamom, it's, it's like, it's just a couple of different spices, they're all, like, together, and you would, you would look at that and be like, oh, I, I understand how that's, like, a Moroccan sort of, like, recipe, um, and uh, and it's and it, it it's like it's crazy. You 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 coat the whole thing in it, um, and then you roast that. And when you pull it out, it kind of has this. Um, it's almost like fried chicken, weirdly. But like it's not fried. It's it's like a it's like a bark. Like a 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Um, and it's delicious. It's so good. And so th that's the thing that, that my family has always done for a long time. I told Rachel about this. Rachel, who is famously a vegetarian, and she was like, you know what? For your birthday, that's what we'll do. We will, we'll, you know, like this will be our, our, our thing. And it has kind of been the quiet tradition um, in uh, like between the two of us uh, that, you know, we, we will we will make this leg of lamb um Never. on Thanksgiving or on my birthday, whenever it makes sense or whatever. Um, and that will be, that will be kind of like a joint sort of like celebration, which makes it like, like a lamb is really expensive. I don't know if you guys know, it's like 120 bucks to get like a, a like a leg of lamb. It's, it's huge, right? Like it's a big, it's a big thing. Of, it's probably like eight pounds of meat or something like that. Right. Um, and, uh, and then it was just like, some of the other stuff, right? Like green beans, like, uh, not, not a green bean casserole though, actually it's green bean. It was sauteed green beans with garlic. Um, uh, it was, it was a bunch of stuff from the wow cookbook, funnily enough. Um, so like herb baked eggs, if you've ever heard of herb baked eggs, which is like a, like a wow food recipe. It's like something you will like, you will pick up when you're questing in Westfall or something like that. Um, you know, we made those, we made Mulgor spice bread, which is actually fucking delicious. It's basically kind of like cinnamon bread. It's like, you know, like cinnamon raisin bread. It's like that or like a cinnamon raisin bagel. I mean, it's like that, but with no raisins, it's just cinnamon basically. Um, and it's so good. Um, we made a bunch of stuff like that, uh, and then like literally ten pounds of mashed potatoes. Nice. Like I'm not, like, I'm not even joking. It was, it was that many pounds of mashed potatoes, stuffing with um, uh, pears and apples and stuff like that. Yeah. So this, this what, this what we did. What did you do for 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 your Thanksgiving? So did you have a very like normal Thanksgiving. My mom loves the Thanksgiving dinner. Like that is her favorite thing in the world, and so she makes the makes it classic. Um, okay. I I tend to agree with you that I'm not a big turkey guy. I like the one one of the year the one year that I was in San Francisco and I didn't go home for Thanksgiving I just made myself a, a roast because I sure. like that. Um, but um, what did we do this year? We had my parents like the turkey in the bag. They they like are still like stuck in like the nineties where like you can't eat the skin because it's bad for you even though like you know it's fucking Thanksgiving. Um, uh, but uh, is that a nineties thing? I think. I mean, this is like you know, you, you know, if you is, get take the skin off, there's less fat, and you know, it's bad. You know, the skin's bad for you in like kind of like a general dietary way, which is true. Okay. But I'm also yeah, I have like, heard that. I guess. But like, you know, we follow like our ten pounds of turkey with like seven different desserts. Like the skin isn't the thing that's making the difference here. Um, yeah. Not to mention you're drowning it. This is also part of why I don't like. Uh, this is also part of why I don't like Thanksgiving. I don't like gravy. Okay. Um, which I think is how you make white meat taste good, right? Um, generally speaking, everybody likes dark, dark meat is more flavorful. White meat is kind of more more bland. But the thing you do is you you have a bunch of gravy for for the white meat or whatever. But I I think gravy is gross. I feel like when I'm if I'm ever eating gravy, it feels like I am drinking the little fat trough on a George Foreman grill. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a, that's that's, that's why it's good. That's, that's the image in my brain, and it feels disgusting, and I can't do it. So I'm not a gravy person, which is part of why I'm not a turkey. Yeah, person. no, that that makes uh, that makes perfect sense. Um, what else? So we do like so this year. So every year we've been like, you know, my brother's been trying to convince my mom to let him smoke a turkey, and it didn't happen this year. But she bought a pre-smoked turkey, which was pretty good, um, uh, especially for something that was pre-smoked. What do we do? We did. My mom likes stovetop stuffing better than, than like real stuffing, which is fine. Um, 
she may or usually judges like one of them up like she'll like make two dishes of it and judge one of them up with like this year it was chestnuts um uh there's also like a kind of like perennial kind of like argument about like whether we do like the canned cranberry so i make the cranberry, oh, yeah i make my the cranberry sauce i like it better um uh, but we still have the canned for the people who like that um uh and then what mashed potatoes like you said my mom loves mashed potatoes um, and then we do half and half sweet potatoes, half with marshmallows, half without. Um, and then the one big thing, the one, the one kind of special thing is we do, uh, creamed onions, which, uh, like my mom and I are big fans of other pearl onions and like a cream sauce. Um, wow. Uh, I've never heard of that, but it sounds amazing yeah. given how much I fucking love onions. Uh, and then the, uh, and then like desserts always like kind of like, uh, there's always like a bunch of stuff, right? Like I made blondies. Yeah, like pumpkin pie or yeah. whatever. Yeah, we did pumpkin pie, pecan pie, blondies. My mom made this dessert she's been wanting to try, which is like a shortbread crust made with olives that's like filled with like this like whipped cream date filling, and wow, it's really good, like really good. Um, that sounds not great, but I believe you because it's when that if someone were to explain that as a dessert. It's so weird that I feel like I have to believe that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if that sucked, everyone would be like, this sucks, and no one would talk about it. Yeah. And the crust doesn't have, like, you know, like, you know, whole olives in it or whatever. It's, like, little pieces. And that's just kind of like, like, if you ever had, like, an olive oil cake, kind of like that. But it's also, like, in a shortbread crust, it's, like, you know, mostly sugar. Um, sure. And my mom, oh, this is, this is a weird thing. So, for ever and ever, my mom had been trying to get this recipe from my grandma, um, and she had no idea what my mom was talking about. My grandmother unfortunately passed away, um, but going through her stuff, my mom found the recipe for this. Oh my god! These things called scotcheroos, which are basically like imagine peanut butter rice krispie treats with like a layer of chocolate on top. Um, and that's basically what they are, and they're delicious. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, but also, so this this is a thing that maybe you'd be familiar with. Like maybe something similar happens, but my family's Italian American. For lunch before the main course, we have uh, antipasto. Which is just like, just this antipasto is just like, you know, mozzarella balls, some provolone cheese, and like rolled up, you know, gabagool, brajute, um, uh, sobrasad. <laughs> um, and then we also get like fresh Italian bread from the bakery on the morning, right? Um, which is apparently a thing that a lot of people do because it's always packed. The bakery's always packed, but like, you know. Um, and that also makes the next day great because, you know, you, get, you have your leftovers, you have this nice crusty Italian bread uh, and uh, you just put the leftovers on it and you've got a great turkey sandwich, so. Yeah, the turkey sandwich is maybe the best part of turkey I agree. In, terms of, uh, uh, in terms of eating turkey during Thanksgiving. I, you know, it's funny. I guess I don't like a lot of Thanksgiving foods now that I think about it. Like most of the, are there any like mainstays that you feel like you need to touch on? Maybe like a green bean uh, casserole, casserole is yeah. like a, yeah. Um, but I just feel like I feel like I don't like any of the. It's like mashed potatoes is the one I like, and most of the rest I'm like, eh. All right, so this I think this is an important question. How do you like your mashed potatoes? Like, what what do you like, waxy or starchy? And how do you like them? Like, how, how do you like it prepared? What the fuck is waxy or starchy? It's like potatoes. It's like a thing. Like, like starchy potato. Like it's like waxy potatoes can get gloopy, but like. Like like uh red, like red potatoes like a russet is a starchy oh, wait, potato wait, 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 and a red potato is a waxy it. potato. Oh no! Wait, really? Yeah, that is not what I was expecting. Because like if you put in more milk and butter or whatever, you get kind of like a creamier sort of so that, potato. That's that's a secondary characteristic, but like it is 
the type of potato, like what type of potatoes do you use? Like I think Yukon Gold. Okay, that makes Yukon Golds are a hybrid. Like uh, okay, like russets are your the, classic starchy potato, and like okay, yeah. And then red potatoes are waxy potatoes. Yeah, yeah, like the like they're like shiny. Like you like if you look at them, the waxy potatoes are like shiny, and like the uh, starchy potatoes are like rough. Okay, so the thing I like to do for mashed potatoes is put caramelized onions in there. Ooh. That's almost always what I what I do with with potatoes, and um, I caramelize. It, it, it is so I I have I have a couple of things that are like this where if they're you, what you do is you take the butter that you would put in the potatoes and you use that to saute you kind of saute these like butter onions essentially and then you just put dump all of that into the potatoes when they're when they're done you mash them all up and you mix them together so that you're getting uh, that is my that's like my shit plus other other stuff obviously yeah um, uh, garlic uh, and whatever else do you use cloves like, or uh, powder cloves generally but we might have done powder. I know we have garlic powder and use garlic powder on a more regular basis. But when I am making the mashed potatoes, and I didn't make anything because I was actually working on that Friday. Um, uh, I I typically don't. I typically don't do powder. I typically just do cloves. Yeah. So. But yeah, because like onions, onions and garlic are maybe like the foundational flavors. I feel like of so much of my diet, right? <laughs> you know, it's it's just like on everything. It's in everything. I don't know. Um. But then, like, you know, like, I'm not a huge fan of cranberry sauce. I guess I like pumpkin pies and stuff like that, right? Like, who, who, does, who doesn't love, you know, who doesn't, like, love pie or whatever? Um, but I specifically asked for these sort of sautéed green beans. Uh, there's a there's a restaurant in L.A. called Din Tai Fung. Din Tai Fung is a, um, uh, is a not quite dim sum, but sort of dim sum dump, dumpling place um, where, you know, you sort of order in very discreet chunks. And one of the things they have is they have these garlic green beans as like a, as like an appetizer. I always get them. And, uh, and when Rachel was like, what do you want? I was like, I want those, those green beans, right? Where I don't want to do any of this like bullshit casserole stuff, you know, like cream of whatever soup. And then you, you know, and then you put like the, the breadcrumbs. We we do punko, right? The Japanese breadcrumbs on top. And I I I don't care about that. It's not my that's not my thing. I I the the just you you get a bunch of you get a bunch of oil. You get a bunch of garlic. You saute it all together. There's your green beans, right? Like that's that's sort of perfect. Um, and then just like other stuff, right? Like um, I don't know, turkey. I guess being being sort of sort of the big one. Um. When, actually, this is, this is an interesting question. When you do Christmas, do you do fish? Um, we used to. We used to do a, a whole big thing um, with, like, my dad's side of the family. Like, my whole dad's side of the family. We do. Okay. We would do the seven fishes. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but we, my mom is not a big fan of that. And uh, so we might do, like, a little <laughs> thing. And that's, like, a Christmas Eve thing, I think, typically for us. Um, so we might do a little bit of something. But Christmas Day is, like, the Thanksgiving dinner again, but also with a ham um, is usually what it is. Um, yeah, my mom will make the ham, but my dad likes to do to do fish because yeah. uh, he he lived in Italy and is just sort of a a thing. And I famously don't like fish, uh, though I've weirdly come around to it in my thirties. Uh, now that I'm a, now that I'm a thirty three year old middle aged man, I I am beginning to realize that I actually do like fish now. I guess, uh, but for some reason, I just I used to hate it a lot when I was a kid. Um, and so Thanksgiving was always the better meal because that leg of lamb was so good uh, compared to compared to Christmas fish. Yeah, I, my, my big thing is, like, I feel like fish is, doesn't have a strong flavor to it. Um, and so it's, like, like 
less less appealing to me. I like I like shellfish typically, but uh, um, oh yeah, I love shellfish. Mussels are a huge one. Uh, I will do mussels like any day of the week. Uh, you know, so the, something that we'll do is these French mussels, which is kind of like it's kind of like imagine like ratatouille, but then there's some mussels in there, right? Like that's something that's uh, that's like that's a common thing that like me and my mom will 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 kind of go nuts for. I really like squid. Um, part of this oh, is, really? Well, p- part of this is like a long, like, you know, from a very early age being exposed to fried, fried galamad, which is like my jam. Um, and so, but like, I just like, like squid and a bunch of different things, like even like less, uh, less, uh, less, less kind of like fried versions, right? Like I, I found myself enjoying it. Like when I like we the were texture. Kids, my da- <laughs> when we were kids, my dad used to make calamari and, uh, and he would call it ocean onion rings. And my sisters loved. We loved it. We thought it was the greatest shit. And then eventually we learned that it was squid, and it was like, oh, no. <laughs> but it was like, it's like you guys wouldn't have eaten it if I had called it squid. But you love it, and it's true. You know, yeah. calamari is great. So, what are you gonna do? Do you have Do you have an opinion on rings versus tentacles? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Do you? Why is that? Is that a common thing? So I just like it all. I'll just I will devour it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Me, me right? too. <laughs> but what, so when I when I was a kid, my um, like we were kind of a little bit grossed out by the tentacles. So that was like the stuff that my dad ate. Like my dad would eat the tentacles because the rest of us wouldn't. Um, but <laughs> as I got older, I appreciate and I like it's I like I think I like the the tentacles a little bit more just because like there's more little bits and it's crunchier, right? Because yeah. there's more poor surface area. But like yeah, I will. I could eat like, like this is this is like one of the worst things I do, but like there is a place down the road, it's like a pizza place, and they also have like fried galamad, and up here we also have like the Rhode Island version, which is like with banana peppers and some vinegar on it, which is like, mm. sure, but like <laughs> I will get like a whole pizza and a whole order of <laughs> calamari, and I will like hate myself and eat it all, and <laughs> and uh, you know. Part of the reason why, you know, I'm not the stupidest person in the world, but, uh, you know. <laughs> Honestly, fair enough. I get it. That that makes plenty of sense to me, right? Um. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Uh, so I was listening to this. Adam Ragusi is a food YouTuber. I was listening to, he has a podcast now. And in his most recent podcast, he was talking about how, like, he's, like, basically a food addict in recovery. He's like, I don't want a slice of pizza. I want to eat an entire pizza while I'm very hungry. And like that's the problem. And it's like that—that's basically me too, right? Like I've de- I'm definitely there sometimes. Oh yeah, we have discovered a new thing, which is terrible. Which is that there are certain places that we like, but they have smaller portions than than we would otherwise like. Um, there's this place called Italy's Little Kitchen. That's our favorite Italian place. Um, but the problem is, is that Italy's Little Kitchen is pretty fancy, and so they, it just doesn't feel like enough food. You know what I mean? Um, and the new thing that, that Rachel and I have discovered is that ordering a small, like a personal pizza, which would normally be an entree, but as essentially an appetizer that we split, is like the perfect solution to that problem. Uh, and has ruined certain restaurants for us because now we, we go and essentially order an entree and a half, right? <laughs> and I'm like, there's no way this is good. There's no way this is, you know, this is healthy. But I, I feel that. I also just want to sit and eat an entire pizza. My thing with pizza uh, a lot of the time is, um, <clears throat> you know, our pizza place is called Vinny's, which is some of the best sort of normal 
New York pizza that I that I have ever found in LA. Um, like not my absolute favorite, but still pretty good. Uh, Vinny's is uh, we'll we'll it, they also do other stuff, and so we'll we'll sometimes get like a pasta thing, and we'll get we'll get that at lunch, and so it's like, well, here's a pizza. We'll eat. We'll just kind of munch through it for lunch. Probably not even finish it, right? And then for dinner, we have this pasta. That, that you can also get get from there. And it's like, that that's the kind of thing that's the worst. Oh, actually, that's not true. The worst food thing, the the food crime that I commit is probably raising canes. Um, oh, is it? how So, um, so, so I just want to call this out because I, I just saw Louis says Scotchies are amazing. I, you are the only other person I know that knows about these besides me. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, uh, but, there is one Raising Cane's in, like, the Northeast, and it's in Boston. And it's right down the street from my girlfriend's place. And we have yet to go there, but Ooh. it's always crowded. Uh, yeah, so the problem with Raising Cane's – so uh, for, Raising Cane's isn't even my favorite. There's a there's a, a chicken tender place that is a, a local business called Top Tenders that is great. And I get them – if like if I'm doing like lunch stuff, I'll just like get Grubhub, you know, or whatever, right? Like, you know, like maybe who, like David, my boss, will be like, "Hey, get lunch for doing a good job" or something like that. I'll get like top tenders, right? Top tendies, as I call them, is so good. It is the best. You can tell. You can you can tell that it's one of these people who just like I. They just love a chicken tender. They just love making the best possible chicken chicken tender where, you know, the, the outside is very seasoned, but it's not, like, overly fried or anything. Um, they make their own barbecue sauce that's super good. Um, but the problem with Raisin Cane's is that it is a drive through and it is open until 3 in the morning. And I stay up so late. I stay up so late. And it's very common for me to, like, it's like 1.30 in the morning, and I'm really hungry. I've eaten maybe like one and a half meals, and I'm just like, well, I got to go to Raising Cane's, right? Like, and then you, because I can just leave my apartment at 1.30 in the morning in my fucking pajamas, you know, put on some YouTube video in the car while I'm sitting in the drive-thru line. I don't care how long that line is. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any difference to me. Um, and I know that it's worse. I know that it's worse than Top Tenny's. I'm, I'm just like, why don't I just wait and get it tomorrow if this is my hankering? But also, I never fucking do that. And I always go and eat it. That's my, that's my like, number one food crime, I feel like. Um, at least as far as my body is concerned. <laughs> yeah, this is... This is pretty bad for me so i i do intermittent fasting today's a fast day so today i've eaten like two protein bars and uh, that's it and so i am like this is like making me very hungry uh, i am so sorry i'm the opposite of that i always have a million different snacks in the house because i need to have them or else i will like go fucking insane see this is why i don't have snacks in the house because i will eat them um yeah <laughs> yeah that's true i am very good about like I, I'm very good about not just, like, plowing through whatever, like, a bag of chips or something like that, right? Like, it'll last a couple of days or whatever. I, in the past, past versions of me will have eaten a, just an entire big, whatever, like, family-sized Tostitos tortilla chips in a single sitting. <laughs> you know what I mean? But for some reason, I'm better about that. I'm better about that now. Yeah, but my solution is to try and find things that aren't as bad for you, like... For a while, I was eating cauliflower sticks, which are like these fried crunchy snacks, which are still not great for you, but they're better than like potato chips. And sure, like, yeah. If I plow through the whole bag, it won't be as bad for me. Um, 
But, you know, that's, that's, that's always perennially my problem. It's like, well, there you go, everybody. It's a sneak peek at some, I guess the next episode of this will be in six months <laughs> during April Fool's, maybe. <laughs> we oh. will answer the age old question of, uh, I don't know. What's it? What's another food? What did we do last time? The very first time we did pizza, the second time we did sandwiches. Was that right? I think so. I think so. We 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 have been inconsistent about like we did pizza the first time because we have both have very strong opinions about pizza. Yeah, uh, true. But yeah, um, but yeah. Next time we'll see uh, what it is. Um, but uh, yeah, we're 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 way over time. Maybe we can get into Dragonflight now, or at least I can. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. Is uh, is that I am looking forward to opening up Dragonflight. Yeah, Lou, I, I understand that you you feel my pain with the Trader Joe's veggie chips. Trader Joe's has some good, like nominally healthy stacks. Um, it's but it, it also has some bad stuff too. Like once a like once a year in like August, they'll have these Carolina Gold potato chips. And I will buy like like this time I bought like six of them because I knew that they were gonna run out, and uh, they were gone within a week. So uh, I, I don't do that <laughs> anymore. All right, well, we've done this long enough. I've tortured myself enough. Um, if you have any thoughts about what you saw in this podcast or what we talked about about weird on movie or about food or anything, you can reach us at gmail.com or podcast.com. You can follow us twitch.tv games. These go out live. Um, rate review us on iTunes and wherever you find podcasts. Uh, that's everything I have, but do you have anything you're looking to promote? Uh, I have nothing that I'm looking to promote. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Well, in that case, I'm going to say uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.